Pride Month is a time to celebrate the various identities that make up our wonderful and diverse community. It is also a time to reflect on and honor the powerful contributions of those who've come before us. We stand on the shoulders of giants. James Baldwin, Larry Kramer, Bayard Rustin, Sylvia Rivera, and Marsha P. Johnson. To them and countless other trailblazers, we are humbly indebted and forever grateful. If you'd like more information on the movement or recommendations on how you can help, go to blacklivesmatter.com partners. In these dark and difficult times, we hope that this episode brings you a little bit of joy and light. Welcome to this special Pride Month episode of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff. And I'm Will. In the last five years, audiobook narrator Joel Leslie has amassed a list of credits that spans every conceivable genre, from charming Regency rogues to amorous space cats, you name it, he's done it. In this Pride Month bonus episode, he'll be talking about his collaboration with young adult author Bill Koningsberg. Joel, thank you so much for joining us for our Pride Festival. It's great to have you here. Thank you for asking me. I'm really excited to join you. It's really, really sweet of you to ask. So I'm even I'm wearing my pride shirt. It doesn't show on the camera, but there yes. you go. I, those I got, on the video I can see raising are, the pride we, shirt. I'm a one man parade. <laughs> Probably not for the first time in my life. And the folks on the video get a little extra something something from you as well. Right, so there. we'll okay. just hype that so people can go over to the video <laughs> feed too. <laughs> yes. What book have you brought to share with us for our, our first visit this month? I've brought along one of my favorite books that I've ever done called The Music of What Happens by Bill Konensberg. And it's a really lovely YA story about two teenage boys who end up through a series of circumstances running a food truck together over the summer. And it's just sweet and wonderful and deep and lovely and gives you all the feels. And my partner on it is a narrator named um, Anthony Ray Perez, who's brilliant and has a dreamy voice that is just lovely to listen to. I, as usual, sound like a gay Muppet. And, and it was done for Scholastic Audio, which was, which is like really close to my heart. Like I love doing YA material. And actually, it's going to be included on, they do, Audiophile Magazine does this big summer reading thing for teenagers. And it's one of the free books in June that they're oh, doing for teenagers, which is really cool. Like that, that means a lot to me. So yeah, so th that's, the, that's what we're going to listen to. It's the music of what happens. At the market, we set up between a smoothie truck and a burrito truck. I stand and carry out the whiteboard menu and put it where it was yesterday. I go around to where my mom turned on the generator yesterday, and I curse myself for not asking more questions before she sent me back out without her. I have no idea how to turn the power on, actually. Hey, Max, I say, and he comes around to the side of the truck and stands next to me. He's a good-looking guy. No question. All bluster and confidence, well, I'm whatever the opposite of that is. Apologies and embarrassment. Awkwardness and sorrow? First dead in a zombie apocalypse. So, how does this thing work? He asks. And I laugh because it's such a basic question, 
I should know. I don't. He rolls his eyes. Jordan, he says. Really? You have no idea how to turn on the power? I shake my head. What the hell did you do last night? I shrug. Hung out with friends? He sighs. I actually watched some videos, you know, to prepare because I don't have a fucking clue how to run a food truck. Didn't occur to you to do anything, huh? It didn't, actually. I guess I'm not a details person. Until I was 12, I thought that if you put chicken in a fryer, it just sprouted crust. Like, no need to add coating, just some magical process. Details. When I started jerking off, almost every time I'd get close to coming, I'd realize I hadn't locked the door, and my mom loves opening doors. Details. Thank God she never caught me, or I would have had to gouge my eyes out. Jordan, he says when I don't say anything. I turn my head toward him. What? Are you on drugs? No offense, but it's fucking hot out here, and the truck needs power, and it's not going to turn itself on. And you have to tell me what you know, and you're not telling me stuff. Or responding to stuff. I mean, it's cool if you are. Just tell me, dude. We have to communicate. I'm not on drugs, I say, gruff. Jesus. Well, then maybe tell me what you know? And, like, how much I'm going to get paid, and do I need a license to be on a food truck, and how do we do this? I suddenly hate Max with a passion. I don't know anything. I say, okay, nothing, and I don't know how much you're going to get paid. He screws his face up. You are the single worst boss anyone in the world has ever had. You don't know what you're paying me? You don't know whether we need a food license. What the fuck, dude? Let's just get out of here. Damn. He walks away from me, and all the blood leaves my face because the reality hits me. Of course we're not going to make this work. You don't just make a food truck work without knowing stuff like how to turn on a food truck. I'm an idiot. I sit down on the grass on the side of the truck, and I pull out my phone. I look up... How to start a generator on a food truck. I see some diagrams. A lot of them are for newer trucks that have buttons this one doesn't have. There was just this handle. I see one with a handle, and it tells me to flip a switch in the back and pull. I stand up, approach it like I'm approaching a horse I want to ride, and follow the directions. It whirs to life. I walk around to Max, who's sitting in the driver's seat, staring at me. You figure it out? I did, I say. What else can you figure out? I feel like I'm being yelled at by a teacher, and I hate it. But I take a deep breath and figure that I have two choices. One of them is far worse than the other. We'll make it work, I say. Come on, help me out. Thirty minutes later, against all odds, I have our credit card system up and ready, and Max has set up the food we have, which is admittedly not much. 
All we have are chicken breasts, some shredded cheddar cheese, and some bins of chopped lettuce, tomato, and onion. And some rolls. Not fancy ones either, just like off-brand Wonder Bread. I go out, open up the ordering window, and I yell back, Here goes nothing! Max grunts at me. I'm like, fuck you, asshole. I'm doing the best I can, okay? No one comes. Part of that, I guess, is that it's 8.15 on a Sunday morning and our menu consists of chicken parm hero, chicken fingers with marinara sauce, grilled chicken breast, Asian chicken teriyaki. This is my mom's doing. Back when my dad ran it, there were French and Italian dishes. Hence the Coke au Vinny. He knew how to cook. Mom is more of a TV dinner gal, so she kind of went with what she felt she couldn't screw up. It's not an inspiring menu. Especially for breakfast. We stand there a while, silently, and then we lean, me on the ordering window, my poetry journal keeping me company, and him next to the grill. I keep opening and closing the journal, wanting to write something, and at the same time knowing Max will think it's super weird. We watch the crowds buy passes for breakfast burritos and smoothies, and I wonder how I'm going to like a homeless shelter. Because, yeah, here I come. I am so happy that you shared that book. It was one of my very favorites from last year. I was totally jazzed that you were one of the narrators on it. Because you're right, it's just such a very sweet and endearing book, the story that those two boys have. And Scholastic is also very, very good about a commitment to own voices. Like, they'll try and find, you know, it was with with that book, it's tricky because they're looking for, you know, a, a teen Latino and, like, there were lots of, like, elements. But certainly for, you know, it was great that they wanted to find at least one LGBT narrator. And so they're very committed to that, which I really applaud and appreciate. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. In Pride Month, as we are, what does Pride mean to you? That's a really good question. My brain went to a place that I didn't even think about it going, but I grew up, I grew up in a British Commonwealth. I grew up in Bermuda and went to British. That's why I do so many British books because I, I, my parents are American, but I grew up entirely in a British environment. But there, homosexuality was illegal until I want to say the early 90s. Like it was still illegal for quite a while. While I was while I was growing up, like I don't think the, the law was changed until I was in college. And and what that what that meant for me growing up was I had no understanding of what being gay meant. I, I like I it wasn't my head didn't wrap around a concept of 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 love or connection or found family or anything like that you know, gay people were kind of this weird alien-like thing to kind of poke fun at in, in any in anything that I would overhear or, you know, schoolboys or whatever. You know, I went to an all-boys school that was very kind of like, you know, if you don't play rugby, you end up locked in a locker, which I did. But but so it wasn't until, and then I went to school in California. My, my acting training was in California and I was there all through my college years. And LA, you know, when you're in an acting program back then, Every, there are now like five of us that came out from our class, but back then we didn't have role models. 
And it wasn't until I went to London and I was introduced to the theater community and people were like gay and proud to be gay and wonderful, caring people that I that I suddenly understood what it meant. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's for me, pride is having this wonderful sense of belonging and, and understanding. Like I didn't come out because I didn't understand what being gay was. It's very weird. I was a very late bloomer and I love that. I love the fact that I, that we're a tribe and that we're a family and that it, it's, you know, I have always embraced cliches. Like I love being a musical theater queen. You know, I love, <laughs> I love all those things. And, and, you know, I'll never forget, I'll never forget being in London for the first pride and my first pride in New York. And it, it's, it, it's really, really, it's very special to me. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, really appreciate it. I think our listeners will too. Thank you for sharing your pride story and that wonderful snippet from the book. And uh, we'll actually see you back in two weeks for another segment. We hope you've enjoyed this special Pride Month bonus episode. Our community contains a multitude of creative, resilient, and compassionate people. While we might not be standing hand in hand this pride season, we stand strong together in spirit. Our spirit is pride. Thank you so much for listening. For a complete rundown of this month's bonus content, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash Pride2020. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. New episodes of this show are available every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. You can help support this show with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For more information about joining our community and the bonus content we deliver, check out patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. I'm Kurt Graves. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.